Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Stephen Jarvis and Friends podcast. I want to quick say before we start this episode, thank you all so much to the amazing subscribers. We are at 71 right now, so we're about, what, 29 away from 100? If we can get to 100, I'd very much appreciate it. Um, I'd be planning on doing something. But also, I want to ask, um, does everyone like when I do my streams live, or do you like the recorded ones? I know for Buzzsprout, I do some recorded ones and some live ones, or I'll take ones from live stream, put them on Buzzsprout. Um, if you do, comment in the comment section below saying, hey, you know, we like this way or we like this way, different way. But today's episode was actually requested by the Graveyard Podcast and that he had asked if I could do Jaws 3 and Jaws 4. Well, today I'm going to do Jaws 3 and probably whenever I'm not dealing with you know, having guest interviews and all that, I'll do Jaws 4. So Jaws 3 or Jaws 3D is a 1983 American thriller film directed by Joe Alves and starring Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, Leah Thompson, and Louis Gossett Jr. It is the second sequel to Steven Spielberg's Jaws and the third installment in the Jaws franchise. The film follows the Brody children from the previous films to SeaWorld, a Florida marine park with underwater tunnels and lagoons. As the park prepares for opening, a young great white shark infiltrates the park from the sea, seemingly attacking and killing the park's employees. Once the shark is captured, it becomes apparent that a second, much larger shark also entered the park and was the real culprit. The film made use of 3D during the revived interest in the technology in the 1980s. Amongst other horror films such as Friday the 13th Part 3 and Amityville 3D, cinema audiences could wear disposable cardboard polarized 3D glasses to create the illusion that elements penetrating the screen. Several shots and sequences were designed to utilize effects such as the shark's destruction. Since 3D was ineffective in home viewing until the advent of 3D televisions in the late 2000s, the alternate title Jaws 3 is used for television broadcasts and home video, home media. Jaws 3D amassed commercial success but received overwhelmingly negative reviews and was followed by Jaws Revenge in 1987, which retroactively ignores this film. Michael Mike Brody, son of police chief Martin Brody of Amity, Massachusetts, is working as chief engineer at SeaWorld Orlando. Alongside his girlfriend, Catherine K. Morgan, the park's senior biologist, among the attractions are new underwater tunnels that allow for a view of the undersea life. While the park's lagoon gates are stuck open, a great white shark follows an unsuspecting team of water skiers into the park. Kay and her assistants notice that the resident dolphins, especially two individuals, Cindy and Sandy, are afraid of leaving their pen and going out into the lagoon. Later, Kelvin Bouchard, the park manager, welcomes his friend adventurer and hunter Philip Fritz-Royce, and Mike's brother Sean arrives for a visit. That night, Shelby Overman, a mechanic, dives into the water to repair and secure the gates. He is attacked by the shark and killed, severing his right arm. Mike, Kay, and Sean go out for drinks, and Sean meets and begins dating Kelly Ann Bukowski, one of the park's water skiers. 
Meanwhile, two men sneak into the park and go underwater to steal coral they intend to sell, but both are killed by the shark in the process. The next day, Kay and Mike are informed of Over- Overman's disappearance. They go down in a submarine to look for his body, and during the search, they encounter a juvenile, juvenile great white, only 10 feet long. The dolphins rescue Kay and Mike, but the shark escapes back into the park. They inform Bouchard and Fitzroy suggests killing the shark on network television. Kay protests, instead recommending capturing the shark and keeping it alive in captivity, which would generate more publicity for the park. The shark is successfully captured, and Kay and her staff begin to nurse it to health. Calvin, desperate to start the money rolling in immediately, orders it to be moved to an exhibit, but the shark dies. Kelly conjoles... Sean out into the water in a bumper boat, despite his trepidation due to his experiences in Amity. Overman's corpse is discovered, and reviewing the body, Kay realizes that the shark that killed him is the first shark's 30-foot-long mother, and that it must also be inside the park. She is able to convince Calvin about this newest development when the shark herself shows up at the window of the underwater cafe. Flushed out from her refuge refuge inside a filtration pipe, the shark begins to wreak havoc on the park, injuring Kelly and causing a leak that nearly drowns everyone in the underwater tunnel. Fitzroyce and his assistant, Jack Tate, go down to the filtration pipe and attempt to lure the shark back in as a trap to kill it. As Jack closes the pipe's gate, Fitzroy successfully leads the shark into the pipe, but his tether rope suddenly snaps due to the strong current generated by its pumps. Trapped inside the pipe and unable to reach the ladder to the exit hatch, he decides to kill the shark with a bang stick to no effect. The shark proceeds to eat him whole before he can pull the pin from his grenade and kills him. Hearing that the shark has been lured into the pipe, Mike and Kay go down to repair the underwater tunnel so the technicians can restore air pressure and drain the water. Calvin orders the pumps to be shut down to suffocate the shark, but this act instead allows it to break free from the pipe and attack Mike and Kay. But they are again saved by the dolphins. They make their way back to the control room, and the civilians in the underwater tunnel are safely evacuated. The shark suddenly appears in front of the window and smashes through the glass. Flooding the control room and killing a technician, Mike notices Fitzroy's corpse still in the shark's throat, holding the grenade and uses a bent pole to pull its pin, triggering the grenade's explosion and killing the shark. In the aftermath, Mike and Kay celebrate with the dolphins who survived their battle with the shark. And that is pretty much the plot of Jaws 3 or 3D. Um, Again, Dennis Quaid is Mike Brody. Bess Armstrong is Catherine Morgan. Simon McCordale as Philip Fitzroyce. Louis Gossett Jr. as Calvin Bouchard. John Putch as Sean Brody. Leah Thompson as Kellyanne Bukowski. P.H. Morardi as Jack Tate, Dan Blasco as Danny, Liz Morris as Liz, Lisa Maurer as Ethel, Harry Grant as Shelby Overman, Kay Stevens as Miss Killinder. Production, Development, and Writing David Brown and Richard Zanuck, the producers for the first two films, originally pitched the second Jaws sequel as a spoof named Jaws 3 People Zero. Maddie Simmons, fresh off the success of National Lampoon's Animal House, was brought in as a producer with Brown and Zanuck taking on executive producer roles. 
Simmons outlined a story and commissioned National Lampoon writers John Hughes and Todd Carroll for a script. Joe Dante was briefly pursued as a director. The production was shut down due to conflicts with Universal Studios. David Brownlayer said that the studio attitude was that a spoof might would have been a mistake and that would likely be and that would be like following in your own nest. We should have followed the nest. It would have been golden, maybe even platinum. Alan Landsberg bought the rights to produce the film. He attempted to involve experimental filmmaker Murray Lanier in Jaws 3, telling him that people at the Marineland theme park in Florida had seen his 1978 3D film Sea Dream. Lanier said that his heart sank when he was sent the first script of Jaws 3D, saying, I can't really get involved in this. As a production already had an art director, Lerner, who didn't like the script, declined to be involved in the film. The film was directed by Joel Alves, who was the production designer for the first two films and was the second unit director for Jaws 2. It had been suggested that Alves co-direct the first sequel with Verna Fields when first director John D. Hancock left the project. It was filmed at SeaWorld Orlando, a marine zoological park in Navari, Florida, a community in the Florida panhandle near Pensacola. As with the first two films in the series, many people were involved in writing the film. Richard Matheson, who had written the script for Steven Spielberg's 1971 television film Duel, says that he wrote a very interesting outline. Although the story is credited to some other writer, Universal forced Matheson to include Brody's two sons, which the writer thought was dumb. They also wanted it to be the same shark that was electrocuted in Jaws 2. Matheson was also requested to write a role specifically for Mickey Rooney, saying that when Mickey Rooney turned out to be turned out not to be available, the whole part was pointless. The writer was unhappy happy with the finished film. I'm a good storyteller, and I wrote a good outline and a good script. And if they had done it right, and if it had been directed by somebody who knew how to direct, I think it would have been an excellent movie. Jaws 3D was the only thing Joe elves ever directed the man is a very skilled production designer but not as a director no but as a director no and the so-called 3d just made the film look murky it had no effect whatsoever it was a waste of time stay with us we'll be right back hey this is ron do you like movies hey this is ragnar y'all like alcohol hey guys this is Stu. do you like punishments Hey, this is Goop. Do you like cinephiles? Hey, everybody, I'm Chase. You got, do you guys like alcohol poisoning? If you like all of that, then check us out at Barrel Age Flicks. We're on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms out there. True Blood is direct credited for the story. A reviewer for the website SciFilm says that the screenplay was based upon True Blood's story about a white shark swimming upstream and tra- becoming trapped in a lake. Carl Gottlieb, who had also revised the screenplays for the first two Jaws films, was credited for the script alongside Richard Matheson. Matheson has reported in interviews that the screenplay was revised by script doctors. Alves said in an interview in June 2020 that approximately 20 minutes of footage was cut from the final film due to Land's Berg's insistence. The character of Calvin Bouchard 
was originally intended to be the shark's final victim, though the producers enjoyed his performance so much the script was rewritten for him to survive. Casting. The film did not use any actors from the first two films. Roy Scheider, who played police chief Martin Brody in the first two films, laughed at the thought of Jaws 3, saying that Mistopheles couldn't talk me into doing it. They knew better than to even ask. He agreed to do the film Blue Thunder to ensure his unavailability for Jaws 3D. Dennis Quaid said it stated in a 2015 interview that of all his films, he made the most aggressive use of cocaine. He made the most aggressive use of cocaine during the filming of Jaws 3D and that he was high on the drug in every frame in which he appears. 3D. There was a revival in popularity of 3D at the time with many films using the technique. Jaws' second sequel integrated the technology into its title, as did Amityville 3D, Friday the 13th Part 3 could also make dual use in the number 3. The gimmick was also advertised in the tagline, The Third Dimension is Terror, as it was Joel Alves' first film as director he thought that 3d would give him an edge cinema audiences could wear disposable polarized glasses to view the film creating the illusion that elements from the film were penetrating the screen to come towards the viewers the opening sequence makes obvious use of the technique with the titles flying to the forefront of the screen leaving a trail there are more subtle instances in the film where props are meant to leave the screen the more Obvious examples are in the climatic sequence of the shark attacking the control room and its subsequent destruction. The glass, as the shark smashes into the room, uses 3D, as does the shot where the shark explodes, with fragmented parts of it apparently bursting through the screen, ending with its jaws. There were many difficulties in making the blue screen composing work in 3D and a lot of material had to be reshot. Jaws 3D had two 3D consultants. The production star with Chris Condon, president of StereoVision, and Stan Loth, who was later added to the team for the RE Vision 3D. Production began using the StereoVision, but this was dropped after a week for the RE Vision system, which Alves believed was a superior system because it had a wider variety of lenses. According to Alves, Inferior systems led to ghosting and blurring, leaving audiences with headaches. He states, he says that the left and right images in Jaws 3D are very well matched and the photography is very clean. It's restful to the eye, and though we do have the occasional effects where things do emerge toward the audience from the plane of projection, you come out of the film without a headache. Historian R.M. Hayes says that the film was shot using both the RE Vision and Stereo Vision single strip over and under units. Both cameras were used in conjunction with each other. This is a means of shooting 3D movies in normal color with a single camera and single strip of film. The RE version 3D technique uses a special twin lens adapter fitted to the film camera and divides the 35mm frame, film frame in half along the middle, capturing the left eye image in the upper half of the frame and the right eye image in the lower half, a technique known as over slash under. This allows filming to proceed as for any standard 2D film without the considerable addition expense of having to cover up on cameras and film stock for every shot. When the resultant film is projected through a normal projector, but one requiring a special lens that combines the upper and lower images, a truly polarized 3D image is produced. This system allows 3D films to be shown in almost any cinema since it does not require two projectors running simultaneously through the pre presentation.
something more, most cinema, cinemas are not equipped to handle, which is what is required of the theaters, both the special projection lenses and a reflective silver screen to enable the polarized, polarized images to reflect back to the viewer with the appropriate filter on each eye blocking out the wrong image, thus leaving the viewer to see the film from two angles as the eyes naturally see the world. According to the company that built the underwater camera housing for Jaws 3D, the underwater sequences were shot using an Reflex 35-3 camera with Revision 18mm over-slash-under-3D lenses. Uh, this kind of 3D effect does not work on television without special electronic hardware at the viewer's end. And so with two expectations, the home video and broadcast TV versions of Jaws 3D were created using just the left eye image and with the title change to Jaws 3 or Jaws Roman number numeral 3. Because the left eye image only takes up three only takes up half the 35 millimeter film frame. The picture res- resolution is noticeably poorer than what would be normally be expected of a film shot on 35mm. One of the exceptions was a 1986 release of the film with the now obsolete video high-density VHD video disc system. This required a special 3D VHD player or a standard VHD player with a hardware 3D adapter and a set of LCD glasses that shuttered the viewer's eyes according to Control signals sent by the player, allowing the polarized 3D effect to work. The other exception was the Sensio 3D DVD of Jaws 3D released in February 2008. The Sensio 3D processor is needed for 3D home viewing. On June 14, 2016, Universal released a Blu-ray edition of the film, though advertised advertised as a 2d release a complete blu-ray 3d version is included as a special feature the score was composed and conducted by alan parker who had previously provided music for british television shows including van der volk and minder it was parker's first feature score but he would later work on what's eating gilbert grape and american gothic john williams original shark motif is however integrated into the The soundtrack album was released by MCA Records, which was absorbed by Geffen Records. The soundtrack was later released on CD by Intrada and was limited to only 3,000 copies. Marketing. The film was heavily promoted before its wide release across the U.S. as with Jaws 2 Tops produced a series of trading cards. Television stations were encouraged to feature the broadcast making of Jaws 3D Sharks Don't Die in a prime time slot between July 16th and the 22nd, 1983 to take advantage of an advertisement in that week's TV issue of TV Guide. Alan Landsberg Productions found itself in trouble for using 90 seconds of footage from the National Geographic 1983 documentary, documentary film, The sharks in the featurette without authorization the film grossed 13 million dollars 13 million four hundred and twenty two thousand five hundred dollars on its opening weekend which was 1983's second highest grossing opening weekend of the year playing to 1,300 
11 theaters at its widest release and accounting for 29.5 of its final gross, it had achieved total lifetime worldwide gross of 87 million 987,055. Despite being number one at the box office, this illustrates the series' diminishing returns. Since Jaws 3D had nearly had earned nearly a hundred million less than the lifetime total lifetime gross of its predecessor and three million less than the original film, the fi- final sequel would attract an even lower income with around two thirds of Jaws 3D's total lifetime gross. After its opening weekend, the film's box office grosses declined sharply by over 40% during the later weeks. Although it was still drawing huge audiences when it was pulled from theaters, film historian R.M. Hayes said this action was pure nonsense considering some cinemas were actually turning over more money per screen than the latest Star Wars film. Um... And then, of course, a lot of people, you know, hated it. The accolades, worst picture, they were nominated. Worst supporting actor, nominated. Worst director, worst screenplay, worst new stars, Cindy and Sandy, the Dolphins, were all nominated. They didn't win. Um, And that is Jaws 3 or Jaws 3D. It was a really weird movie. Because, like they say, you know, the 3D market had come kind of back, but it wasn't back for very long. It It's kind of like I say with, like, how horror movies were back in the 80s. You know, late 70s with Halloween, got it going. Friday the 13th and Nightmare on the Street got it at a curve. And then the rest of them just brought it down and it died off very quickly. Um, now, I think Wednesday I will do, no, maybe next week I'll do Jaws 4 or The Revenge as they call it. Because, you know, sharks can have revenge tendencies, I guess. And evidently they wanted the shark from Jaws 2, which got electrocuted to come back in this one. But at least Roy Scheider knew his went working on another video movie to get out of this one that that's the best part of this i think is that you know he even said mistopheles couldn't even um talk him into doing this one which i don't know if he would have made it really good i think the whole brody's kids in this movie was kind of you know okay and brody does get mentioned Martin does get mentioned in this one. He also gets mentioned in the last one um, as well. But I think this movie and the revenge kind of led to no more Jaws movies. Although we did get Cruel Jaws, which was marketed as Jaws 5. Um, Jaws 3D or Jaws 3, as it's called, isn't the worst Jaws sequel. I mean, Jaws 2 is probably the greatest one, but Jaws 3 3 or 3D actually did an okay job. You know, yeah, at the box office, a lot of people will say, oh, well, Steven, you know, it sucked, whatever. Um, Like most people say, you know, they don't show the receipts of that. I know one time I got into it with someone on Facebook when they said that Mortal Kombat, the first movie, wasn't profitable or any good. It's like, well, um, 
the money it made and it being a cult classic would disagree with you, sir. But anyway, um, yeah, that is my review of Jaws 3 or 3D, as it's called. Hopefully you all liked it. Um, I'll be having some more guests coming on the show, and I will also be a guest on a few shows coming up here soon. Hopefully get more and more opportunities like that but i'll i'll space them out because i feel bad for the viewers because it's like as soon as i do one then there's another one already and it's it's not fair to the viewers so i'm gonna space out my interviews and my guest appearances a little bit better um and also like i said we're at 71 subscribers now we're on the road to 100 subscribers once we reach 100 subscribers i think i'll do a um i'll have some like a panel on and we'll just shoot shoot the shit or you know just talk about something so thank you so very much for watching also go check out the talking shit show or talking shit with mark bensett and brian also go check out the broken system podcast with robert palmer Go check out the Night Watch Zone with Knight Taylor. He's a great guy. Go check out Flet's Movies and Pop Culture 13. Kyle's a great guy. Um, go check out the Bucket of Chum podcast, I think it's called. Hold on one second. I'll, I'll actually look that up. Before I say that, um, do 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 ba 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 da 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 da. Yes, go check out the Bucket of Chum, the Shark Movie podcast. Great guy, there. Um, go check out the Basement Surge. You know, go check out Peter Anthony. Um, everyone does a great job with what they're doing. I know a lot of people are probably hoping that, you know, I would say more stuff about what had happened with the network, but it was a mutual thing. Um, they wanted something different and I wasn't able to give it to them at the time. So I'm not going to shit on the network. I'm very proud of the time that I had with them and hopefully, you know, they get bigger and more successful than they already are now. And hopefully I get bigger and successful as I am now. Thank you so very much. And if you would like to, if you're new to the channel, please hit the subscribe button, hit the like, hit the comment, hit the notification bell so that you never miss another moment of the podcast. And also to the returning subscribers, thank you so very much for subscribing. Couldn't have done this without y'all. Um, what's one more thing I can do? Um, Or say, oh, and if you'd like to support the channel, you can go on Buzzsprout or Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast and hit the sub button on there. It's $3, which I had no control over that. It's $3 to join that part of it. Um, if you do that, just please take a photo and send it to me through my email at stevenjarvis 10 at gmail.com and I will 
either find figure out a way to put it on the screen that you did that. I won't share any of your personal information or anything like that. And it's all secure. So I just put your name up there and be like, hey, you know, this person subscribed. Thank you so very much. And you'll get a shout out. How cool is that? So thank you so very much. Check out this episode. Go check out my interviews that I did with some amazing guests. I was really, really, really proud of them. Um, And yeah, I'll see you next week with Jaws the Revenge. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry, guys. Welcome in to Metalhead Journeys. What is Metalhead Journeys? It's exactly how it sounds. It's a journey through the world of metal by a couple of metalheads. Are you thinking of getting into metal? Where do you begin? There's so many different subgenres. What bands are good? What albums are good? We'll provide answers to all of those questions. We'll handle all the research and do all the dirty work by listening to the good, the bad, and the ugly, so you don't have to. Classic albums, new albums, bands no one's ever heard of. Get ready as we'll applaud and criticize with the same passion. This is Metalhead Journeys.